Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Praise God. It's good to be with you all this morning. It's good to see your faces. Well, at least the top half. I hope you brushed your teeth this morning because no one else is going to suffer except you. And good morning to all of you at home. I hope you've brushed your teeth too. Uh, is there anyone else who's joined us since we last welcomed? Got any new faces? It's good to acknowledge folks because we're a family. Uh, Judith and Hanali, good morning to you both. Yeah, you got busted. You were late for church, but we love you anyways. <laughs> Glad to have you with us. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you, folks. I've been really blessed by the ministry over the last couple of weeks, specifically from Pastor Andreas. I've been blessed by the ministry before that as well. I just don't want to seem proud because I was the one who ministered. But I was blessed all the same um, by what God has been saying. And the message that I believe is resonating in the spirit over our spiritual family, but I, I believe it applies far more to just our spiritual family. You know, folks, there's nothing more invigorating in this world than the realization of God's goodness and His plan for your life. Nothing. There's nothing more invigorating than knowing God's goodness for you, knowing that God Almighty loves you, that His goodness is aimed and directed towards you, and to understand that He has a wonderful plan for your life, to cause His goodness not just to come to you, but to flow through you. To, to, when you have a, an experience of the greatness of God's love and, and a revelation, and then you get to realize that that incredible feeling of knowing that you belong, of knowing that you are loved as you are completely, that you are washed clean, forgiven of God, to realize beyond that, that you are empowered to share that love with others, to help bring them into the same experience, has got to be one of the most invigorating experiences of life. To know that we can bring people and share this good news of God's love and grace and favor. We receive our identity through God. And what is our identity? Our identity is simply this, beloved of the Lord. See, it doesn't matter who you are or what you do or what your occupation may be. The thing that marks you and I as absolutely unique and valuable is that we are loved of God. The value of something is determined by the price that is paid for it. Would you agree? And the John 3.16, we know, says that God so loved this world that He paid the price of His only Son so that whoever believes in Him may have everlasting life. And through that incredible life, we find our sense of value and also a sense of responsibility. Because we are now carriers of a hope that goes beyond ourselves. It goes beyond this life into eternity for ourselves, but it goes beyond ourselves because this hope is not just that we could be saved, but that Jesus, through His death and resurrection, could reconcile the world back to himself and back to God. All of creation and every man, woman, and child within it. God desires that every one of us as believers, and I believe that 
if I were to, to sum up for you what I'm sensing in my heart concerning our, sp- our spiritual family specifically, in other words, what God is focusing on, where He's placing emphasis, is that we would have a realization and growth of the measure of impact and influence that we have. Number one, a realization of the influence that we have and the impact that we have. You have influence within your family. A tremendous influence because you are there. You are making an impact. It could be a positive impact. It could be a a negative impact. But you are making an impact. And I believe the Lord would have you, would remind you this morning that your presence is not insignificant. Not insignificant in your family, not insignificant in your workplace, or in your school, or wherever you may be. You are not insignificant because you are valuable and precious in His eyes. And He has placed you there, not for some random reason, but for a significant reason. And the more we realize that we are there to make and have an impact, we realize that we have influence on our circumstances, on the environment that we are in. That we have the power not to dominate and to force, but to change the atmosphere through bringing in joy, through bringing in and sharing love. Simple, simple things. I believe the more we realize that, the more we get to grow in that. We, the, the, the more our creativity begins to kick in so that we can begin to share who Jesus is with the world around us. And, you know, the Apostle Paul prays the very, this very same thing for the church in Ephesus. It's a familiar prayer. It's one of my favorites. I pray it over you often. It comes from Philippians chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 15 to the first part of verse 19. Paul prays and he says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. In other words, I give thanks for you. I recognize your significance making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. You see, God has called you with a hope. A hope is an eager anticipation for what is good. Did you get that? That's why Jesus Christ is our hope. He is our eager anticipation for good things. And when God looks at you with Jesus inside you, He does so with eager anticipation that good will come through your life. And what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe? Say exceeding greatness exceeding greatness. And this is really what I want to focus on today. I want to speak to you today about shifting from insufficiency or self-sufficiency into all-sufficiency. Paul prays that we would have a revelation of the exceeding greatness of his power towards you and me. The exceeding greatness. In other words... We don't realize what we've got. I I am a young man who grew up in a privileged home, a privileged environment, a privileged society. And the truth is, the more I have to fend for myself, the more I appreciate what I had growing up. Often you don't appreciate what you've got because you're living in the midst of it. 
And whether you have a lot or whether you have a little financially, grace and empowerment comes when we can appreciate what we have. And God has given us exceeding greatness. The last two weeks, Pastor Andreas has been talking to us about this greatness that is within, that God has placed within every single one of us. And if you haven't heard those messages, I encourage you to tap into them and, 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 and listen to those. They are life transformational. But this greatness I want to share with you is not just about feeling great. It's not about feeling important as if I am something now, but it's about recognizing and yielding to the one who is within, who is the great one. It's recognizing that God has placed this within me, and that doesn't necessarily make me something, but it opens up my awareness that I can cooperate and participate and with, with this grace and this greatness that he has put in there, which is beyond even my own understanding. That's why Paul prays, I pray you have a revelation of this. You need to have God reveal it to you. Because without his revelation, you, our imagination goes into very limited places. Our imagination might go into great places, but God wants to lead us to exceedingly great. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, if you read that from Matthew, you will see that he makes some, you know, very plain some of the great things that God has called us to. Let me articulate some of these great things. And these things are great in the eyes of God. One of them is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Oh, what do you mean? How is that a great thing? That doesn't attract attention to itself. You know, you don't have Hollywood stars that are recognized because they were just faithful. No, but these are not man's things we're talking about. We're talking about things that God calls great. A great man or a great woman is a man or a woman who remains faithful and steadfast in their commitment to the Lord. A great husband is a husband that remains faithful and devoted to the promises he made to his wife, to that relationship, and that relationship alone. A great person in the workplace is somebody who is faithful to the company, loyal, who puts the interests of the company first. Let me give you another example of what Jesus calls greatness. The attributes of going the extra mile. Going the extra mile. Again, what is that? That's not some major uh, 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 evangelical crusade. You see, I think so often our idea of greatness boils down to impressing people. And when we think from that mindset, we lose the plot. We've missed the heart of God. Just think of what a difference it makes in your life when somebody goes the extra mile. What does that communicate? What does that say about what, is that, what that person is made of? What does that say about what that person thinks of you when they go the extra mile to not just fulfill a task? And I mean, this could be in the workplace, a job that you're doing for your boss, just to do it, go above and beyond what was expected of you. It could be you're cooking a meal. It could be whatever, whatever part of life. Jesus calls us to go the extra mile, to do more than what others may expect Another great thing that God expects you and I is to love everybody, every single one, even our enemies, and to do so in practical ways. I think so often these days we, we kind of consign love to this emotional place in our thinking, in our lives, where, okay, you know, I don't hate them, I mean, I love them, but I'm not going out of my way, I'm not looking for opportunities to be a blessing to them. 
I think the love of God is highly practical because love without exp- expression is, is, is nothing but good intention. It's a novel idea, but it carries no weight of power. It carries no influence unless it is demonstrated and worked out. Even towards our enemies, those who disagree with us. And this is costly stuff. Cost God his son. These kinds of things are great in the eyes of God because it is through these seemingly insignificant small acts or attitudes that God, the power of God's kingdom, shifts hearts. And there is nothing closer to the heart of God than people's hearts. The things that are considered great in God's eyes are the things that we do to shift people's hearts towards Him. I take that leaf out of Pastor Andreas's message. I hope I don't owe you royalties. If I do, we'll sort it out afterwards. <laughs> you see, these acts have tremendous power in them because they have the ability to produce kingdom results for God's glory. A few weeks ago, I preached a message entitled, Not Just a Pretty Face. We spoke about Esther and that famous verse in Esther where Mordecai says to her, Esther, who knows whether you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this? Who knows whether God has placed you and positioned you where you are and his favor has shone upon you, even though you may feel it's an uncomfortable situation, Who knows that God hasn't placed you where you are just for such a time as this? He's got a specific plan and purpose for you. And I said to you that you and I are more than what we appear to be. We're more than just a pretty face. And as I said in my case, sometimes not even a pretty face. But we're more than just this flesh and blood. We're more than just the place that we are or the function that we fulfill in our occupation. You and I are royalty born of God, sons and daughters of a king who has filled us with exceedingly great and precious promises. And he has placed you in the right place and at the right time. And I want to say to you, I understand that sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes we can't understand, God, why am I here when I'm facing struggles, I'm facing turmoils, I'm facing difficult things? Am I in the wrong place? You know, I think... Very often when we talk about calling, when we talk about God having a plan for you, sometimes in our thinking, it's always something that's out there. It's outside of us. It's outside of our sphere of influence. And I want to say to you, no, because God knows what he's doing. God knew what he was doing when he, he, he gave you your mom and your dad. He knew what he was doing when he placed you in your spiritual family, in your occupation, in your workplace, in that relationship. Now, there are times we can get out of the will of God, and we can place ourselves in relationships or situations that are outside of His will, I, I, of course. But when we look to fulfill God's will, we start always where we are. When we look to bring kingdom influence, we always have to begin where we are. The more I ponder on this truth, the more I think about the fact that, God, you have placed me in the right place at the right time for such a time as this and filled me with your spirit, the more I realize that and ponder on it, the more I realize my own inability and weakness, my own insufficiency to be Jesus, to bring about consistent love, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in and of myself. I am broken. I am jaded. I am 
prejudiced. I, I struggle with things, you see. We all do. And I think when we deny it, when we just you know, push those things under the rug, you know, we, we deny the truth. I am prejudiced. I'm an Arsenal fan. Some of us here are struggling with similar prejudice. You understand there's things in us, there's things in our lives that separate us from other people, that build walls and barriers. But it's also as I realize my own insecurities, my own weaknesses, that I become more and more aware of God's all-sufficiency. 1 John 4 verse 4, the apostle says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. I get to realize and remember the all-sufficiency of the one I call my Father, the one I call my Savior. You know, when God introduces himself in the Bible, he gives himself the name Jehovah. What does that name mean? That means all-sufficient or self-existent one. God does need, not need anyone or anything to exist. He is completely self-sufficient. There is no lack in him. There is not something that he needs or desires and wants and cannot or does not have. He is utterly self-sufficient and eternal. And that's how he introduces himself to Abraham in Genesis 12. A little later on in Genesis 17, when God is making covenant with Abram, uh, big pardon, not Abraham, Abram, he comes with a new name called El Shaddai. And this name is very similar to Jehovah. It, it means Almighty God. It means all-sufficient one, but, but not just all-sufficient. The idea of El Shaddai is to say, I am not just the God of enough, but I am the God of more than enough. Not just all-sufficient in and of myself, but all-sufficient in and towards you. It's amazing this. One of the, 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 the meanings, if you want to call it of El Shaddai, if you trace back the, 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 the meanings of the words, is, is the imagery of a many-breasted or a full-breasted one. And the picture is of a mother who has no shortage of milk to suckle her child and to, and to feed her child. The child will never leave the mother hungry, but will always be satisfied with exactly what it needs the colostrum, the good milk, the, all those things that are so necessary for that child, it will not be impoverished or malnourished in any way because mom doesn't just have enough for baby. Mom has more than enough. So baby can drink till it's full. And this is the wonder of our God, and this is how he introduces himself to you and to I, to me. All-sufficient one who changes not and yet I const and constantly reveals himself as more than enough to you, to me. You see, God is not just more than enough in and of himself. He is more than enough for me. He's more than enough for you to meet every single need, spiritual, mental, emotional, financial, relational, you name it. There is no spectrum in which God is deficient, in which he goes, oh gosh, um, Oh, I uh, don't know how we're going to meet that need, or I don't know what I'm going to do in that situation. No, God is always sufficient in all things, at all times, in all situations. We see that David, in the midst of all that he went through, came to this realization. Now, if you look at the life of David, David went through a lot of stuff. Yes, we know David became king, and it was a point and a season in his life in which there was blessing and peace. But the majority of the story of David is one of fighting and one of war. 
It is one of challenges and trials and struggles. You see, this all-sufficiency is not the absence of trials and struggles, but all-sufficiency of everything I need in the midst of trials and struggles and difficult situations. And in the middle of all that he was going through, David wrote his most famous psalm, Psalm number 23. I want you to read it together with me. We'll have it up on the screen. He says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because God is my shepherd, I will be utterly satisfied in him, in who he is. Like a young child suckling on its mother's breast and drinking its fill, I know that when I come to God, he will give me my fill of wisdom, of grace, of love, of kindness, of provision. This talks about absolutely no lack in any area. And yes, I want to include provision. I will not know lack. Why? Because one way or another, my God, he is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. It's a state of being that speaks of satisfaction in him as well as in his gracious provision. He carries on in verse 2 to say, He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. Green pastures with this picture of everything that I need. What does a sheep need? Green pastures. My provision is there and still waters are a place of peace. He restores my soul. You cannot restore that which is not depleted. In other words, this world is taking things out of me and my, my challenges are draining me and these struggles and trials, they're weighing heavily on me. But when I come to him, he restores me. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yeah, they will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, not, this is not a state of being where we deny the things that are going on around us. We acknowledge that they are there, but yet we will fear no evil. In other words, I'm not intimidated by them. I'm not afraid in the midst of them. There's no anxiety in my heart because I'm at peace. Why? Because you are with me. Oh, God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Wow. Think about that. Let's be honest, that seems like a pretty awkward place. I heard, I was, I was sharing some of these thoughts on Friday morning. We have a pastor's meeting where we get together, and one of the pastors said, you know, if you're sitting at this table... You have a choice if you are going to focus on the greatness of God's provision in the midst of, of, of where you are or if you are going to focus on your enemy who is waiting in the wings. But you can't do both. You have to choose whether or not you will allow the enemy's intimidation because that's his strongest weapon. He's just to intimidate and to fool you. If he can intimidate you, he's, he's got your eyes off where your eyes should be. The statement he made is, many people starve in the presence of plenty. We are in the presence of God, brothers and sisters. We are in the presence of plenty. Plenty of love, plenty of grace, plenty of affirmation, plenty of encouragement, plenty of strength, plenty of power, plenty of provision, plenty of wisdom, plenty of knowledge. It's all there. It's all laid on for us and we are invited and there's a seat reserved for us. And yet many times we starve in the presence of all of this all-sufficiency. 
because our eyes are still locked on the enemy. David says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. And then he makes this statement, surely. As certain as the sun rises every day, surely because of who you are, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, my wife and I were having a conversation the other day and we were talking about God's faithfulness in the area of, 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 of many areas of our lives, one of which was his provision. And my wife made a powerful statement. She said to me, you know, I'm getting to the place where I'm understanding that to doubt God's provision is an insult to his character. Wow. What a powerful statement. You know, I think so often we look back and we think of the nation of Israel who walked through the Red Sea and saw these walls of water all through, and walked through it, who saw the plagues of Egypt, who saw the waters cover up and wash and in one moment wipe out their enemy and their oppressors in just a moment. Delivered, free, coming through, eating manna, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. They saw the manifest presence and, and we think to ourselves, man, If we'd have seen those things, surely we wouldn't struggle with faith. But you know, God provides for us every single day in just as marvelous ways if we have eyes to see them. His protection, His provision, His grace, His Word, His Word, His Son. We have all we need to believe with all our hearts that He is more than enough. And he will meet out every need. And he will come through every time because he who promised is faithful. You see, the heart behind what I'm sharing with you today of God's all-sufficiency is that when I realize that I have more than enough for today, you know, I might not have more than enough for tomorrow, but I know tomorrow is in his hands. When I have more than enough today and my needs are met, guess what? I'm empowered to love others and I'm empowered to pour into the lives of others that which I've received. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, Paul again makes an incredible statement about the all-sufficiency of our God. He says, and God is able to make all grace about... Tell you what, let's have some fun with this one. Every time you see the word all, how about you shout it out together with me, okay? And that includes you at home. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, come on then, always having all sufficiency in all things might have an abundance for every or all good works. Does that leave any room for anything else than all sufficiency? There is no room in that statement for lack in any area of life. Now, you could say, yes, that verse says God is able. It doesn't mean he will. In other words, yes, there is a role that you and I have to play to cooperate with God, to come into the flow of this all-sufficiency. As we turn our hearts to him, as we believe and we look to his promises, despite what our circumstances may be saying. But our God is the one who is able to make all grace. In other words, all of his presence, all of his ability available to us, toward you and me, that in every situation, at every time, we will have all sufficiency, more than enough. That we, Not just enough, we will have all sufficiency 
and that we may have an abundance for every good work. Again, this is not always big, grandiose tasks. Again, this can be the greatness of God displayed through simple acts like sharing your lunch with somebody at work or at school because they don't have any today. It's a simple act of love. Because I've got more than enough, and so I can share with you. It could be a smile because you've got joy to spare today. It could be a lift because you have three empty seats in your car. It could be to just tell somebody and remind them that God sees you and I see you and you're important and you're precious in the eyes of God. You see, God has given us more than enough of who he is so that in any action... In any day, in any time, in any moment, we can reflect his love and the value that God places on others because we know in our hearts that we are valued and we have love and and joy and peace in our hearts enough to share it with others. You see, God empowers, God enables, and God provisions us to be who it is that he has called us to be, his sons and daughters, his kingdom ambassadors, the representatives of his nature and his love and his generosity to the world around us, dare I say, without measure. You see, when we grasp and we can truly get a hold of the all-sufficiency of God we begin to tap into it for those around us. I know, God, what you've done for me. I've seen your hand move here. God, would you move in that situation? And perhaps even, God, what do you want me to do in that situation? It's a wonderful blessing to be the recipient of God's provision and God's grace. It's another blessing. It's another level of blessing altogether to be the conduit through which that blessing comes. It's a wonderful privilege and a wonderful thing that you and I get to enjoy as we co-labor with Jesus in bringing his kingdom to bear in our world. In closing, I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 and 24 from the New Living Translation. The author says, Let us hold tightly, without wavering, to this hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. In other words, let us hold on strong to the promises that God has given us of his all-sufficiency, of his more-than-enoughness. And then it goes on to say, and let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. You know, I believe that as believers, we should be on the lookout for opportunity to do good works. And we should be praying to God for opportunities to do good works. Sharing a meal. One of my favorite things, my love languages, you might have guessed, revolves around food. I don't know if that's an official love language, but um, it works for me. The weight of my heart definitely runs through my stomach. And so in sharing love as well, I love to give meals. I love to give meals, whether it's to my parents or to neighbors. When we're cooking, generally, my wife knows. My wife is both grateful and trepidatious when I'm cooking because when I cook, there's a lot of washing up. It's always the biggest pot. When I cook, I cook once. And the nice thing is that she has meals frozen that she can have and pull out on weeknights. When things get busy and life gets rough and we just take out a meal and we're... 
but she also knows that something from those meals is going to go out because that's, that's a love language. I say that not to brag. It's just that's one way that I have found where I found great joy in ministering to people. At least I think I'm ministering to them. I think my food tastes pretty good. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm developing tolerance and patience and long-suffering in them. I don't know, but God will use it. Folks, I want to go back to what I started with when I said, I really believe God desires for you and I to realize and to grow, and grow in the measure of influence and impact that you and I have. That influence and that impact is not about us. It's not about our name. It's not about our glory. But it's understanding the love and the grace of our King and looking for ways and opportunities to spread His love. You know, we see at the back of our, of our church there that wonderful sign that says, you are now entering the harvest field. And every time that kind of thing is mentioned, we kind of feel this weight of, oh man, I should be in a, oh, what now? And, you know, I, I haven't. It's not about that at all. It's just about the realization that, when, that I'm not in this building to do, that the church is not in this building. That when I come here, it's not so that I can, you know, have my little expression of God and faith for the week and then go on with my life. This is the place where I encourage you towards the good works that happen out there. And that may be sharing the gospel with somebody. That may be sharing a meal. That may be sharing a smile. But the way the influence of the kingdom of God grows is as one person looks to nudge somebody else towards the grace and the graciousness of God. The Bible says that that kind of life lives with a sure expectation that goodness and mercy will follow me everywhere I go. God's goodness and his mercy. They follow me in my experience. But you know what it also means to follow? It means that when I leave a place, I leave something behind. What is your trail? When somebody's been in your presence, do they feel uplifted? Do they feel encouraged? Do they feel strengthened? This is what we're called to. And this is the wonderful the wonderful excitement of following Jesus is discovered as we look to share that with others. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.